You know, people are going to add, tell me, tell me, tell me, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. And then one day he's going to come in there and be like, how the hell did you do that? And welcome back. Welcome aboard another Park Train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got my partner in crime, Matt Cermak, with me. What's up, Ev? Always good to be back. Rocking and rolling. You're fired up right now, aren't you? Always am. This was a great interview. Incredible interview. We'll get to it in a second. But first, if your golf game's off the rails, if you're sick of riding the struggle bus, you come to the right place. The Park Train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course. Because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. This episode is... Definitely a teacher <laughs> in that. It. The Part Train Podcast unpacks a mental game with PJ Tour pros, PJ Tour champions players like today with Brian Cooper, best-selling author, CEO, sports psychologist, everyday golfers like you and me and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of The Part Train is presented by Roback Activewear, softest, <laughs> best hoodies in the world. Go to roback.com, enter the code TRAIN, get yourself 15% off. If you forget the code, Tap our bio on Instagram at the part train. There will always be a link there. It'll auto apply in your cart. And if the code doesn't work, you've probably used it before. Enter a new email. You didn't hear it from us. Okay. Hey guys, don't sleep on the polos right now for all you cold weather climate livers. You're going to have a warm trip this winter. You're going to go to Florida. You're going to go to Arizona to play with the boys. Or I so just got the flying you, V. You want a new polo for that trip or two. So I just got the Mighty Ducks flying V polo. Just really made my 13-year-old self a little hockey theme too with our yeah. episode today. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you to Roback as always, guys. Enter the code train 15% off. Okay. I've been so excited to have Brian on the train. Yeah. So if you guys follow really any golf social media, you probably saw Brian's story a couple weeks ago. Brian is 55 years old. Guy's been grinding, has won 30 mini tour tournaments, been grinding. In qualifying, a Monday qualifying legend, and he just never got his card. I think a lot of people would have given up, but not Brian. Little context on Brian. Brian didn't even play golf until after college. He played college hockey and baseball in Pennsylvania and started playing golf after college. He holds nine plus course records, basically just been Monday qualifying for the last two years. Made 10 career starts in the PJ Tour Champions, including three in 2021, and even went, had shoulder surgery this past yeah. year and thought, maybe this is it. Maybe I can't make it. And I'm just so fascinated. This is why I love this stuff, because it's so counterintuitive. This guy has been fighting for his dream for years. And the one year that I think he lets go a little bit, he accepts any outcome. Wasn't even sure if he was going to play. He talks about how the day before he didn't know if he wanted to play in, in Q school. Right. So there's yeah. this level of detachment and acceptance to any outcome, but he still believed in himself. He still knew he belonged out there despite what previous results told him. And he finished top five. An amazing story down the stretch that everybody's going to want to hear that everybody can empathize with, with a chance to finally achieve your dream, get a PGA Tour Champions Tour card at 55 years old. He talked about fighting depression. You know, he's finally open about that. I think there's just so much in this episode about stripping stuff away. We just pile yeah. so much on top. Brian taught us today, it's all about less is more, stripping yeah. away. An amazing story. Ev, it's, it's really the ultimate sports story. Right. For you and I love 
sports stories, sports moments. This is it. I mean, this is it. I mean, and what's so unique is it happens at 55, right? And and it's so interesting to hear these guys talk because to finally make it, to finally have success, it's like these guys won lots and lots of golf tournaments. You've never even heard of them. He shoots 61 without even hitting balls on the range. Right. But being able to finally overcome and quote unquote and persevere his way onto the the senior tour is amazing. Like you said, we really dig into the round, the prep, and how he really tweaked his a few things in his routine, mm-hmm. practice rounds, just his overall outlook and how he plays. This is an absolutely inspiring episode. And look, he gives a lot of cold hard facts to amateur players about you know how to set expectations and and it's really good. So stay to the end because uh, I don't know. This is just real talk. It's just real yeah. talk with Brian Cooper and uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I mean, his brother was on the bag too. You'll see in videos, I'm sure with him crying and getting emotional and he almost got emotional today. I mean, this is his dream come true. We're going to be rooting him on. So hopefully you'll see him out there too. Yeah. This is a really special episode because it wasn't just a pro coming on talking about his mental keys. I mean, he really achieved his lifelong dream a few weeks ago, not even. And we got to hear it fresh and raw. Very special. Hopefully this episode helps you strip away stuff and figure out what your new routine should be in 2023. So if this episode helps you out, adds any value, do us a solid, give us a review on Apple podcasts and Spotify. So others can be inspired by your story and hop aboard the train. No matter how old you are, sir, no matter how many times you've fallen short, what do they got to do the next time they go out? Just enjoy the ride. Hey guys, enjoy the ride. Take care. Brian Cooper, it is our pleasure to welcome you aboard the Part Train. Probably a place you've been many times, but the podcast, you're first. Welcome aboard. Oh, thanks for having me. You know, and like I said earlier, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with the Part Train. Sometimes Par is your best friend. You know, we've joked before, Brian. <laughs> not enough people give Par the respect it deserves. You know, I I agree, and quite frankly, where Q School ended for me. I knew all week that was a par hole. I mean, we'll get into that, I'm sure. But at some point, we had Q School finals there. I want to say three years ago, we had finals there. And I was kind of hovering on the bubble after three rounds. And that hole was absolutely just a nemesis. I mean, I think I bogeyed it two days. It's a tough hole. I mean, if anybody's played TPC champions, 18 from the tips, you know, 470, Bunker right where the driver is going to land. Tug it a little left. It's in the water. It's like 11 on the on the stadium course, except down the right instead of desert. There's just an enormous deep bunker that if you hit into it, it's just almost automatic bogey. And mm-hmm. then you got the water. And you know that pin Sundays or day four for us is going to be as far back left as you can. So it's not a very fun hole to, to encounter when when you need to make four. <laughs> you know, Brian, my, my dad growing up, always said to us, you got to respect old man par, right? Now the goal is to beat old man par, but that doesn't just mean after 18 holes, that's every hole you're thinking about par, right? Yeah. Every decision is surrounded around par. Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, you step up to the hole, it's a par four, you know, you have to get four, anything worse than four, you've got a problem, you know, and if you get something a little bit less than four, it's a bonus. You know, obviously there's holes out there that you know are birdie holes and holes that you got to play smart and make your four, your three, or your five. But 
you have to make those. You can't turn a, a mundane par four into a double. I mean, then then you walk away and you're like, what in God's name did I just do? You know, it's the truth. Well, we're going to yeah. dig into that because I think that's the thing that everyone wants to know, right? I know what I need to do. I'm facing past demons. I've got to find a way to make a par here. What do I do? How do I do it? We'll get to that. But first, I think today's a very special day, Brian. Number one, because we're talking to you and we we're talking off air about how inspiring I found your story. I think a lot of people found your story. I don't usually go around saying people's age, but in this case, I think it's an amazing story that you're 55 years old and you just got your PJ Tour Champions card. So we'll get to that, but it's special for another reason. It was actually our first ever train of thought email newsletter went out this morning and it's fitting. I'm going to read you, Brian, our first quote. Basically, the format of this thing is we have one quote, thought, or insight that we've gotten from this show or that we've experienced and we just give our take on it once a week, right? Give sure. people's minds sharp. And this week's quote, our first one, I thought of you and I want to get your take on it to kind of kick off today. It says, and this is a past guest and author wrote this. He said, what we hold on to perpetuates our reality. What we let go of creates new possibilities. The end actually is the beginning. And considering your breakthrough this year, I wanted to know, is there anything you let go of this year that allowed you to get your tour card? Well, I mean, I think just the admission of what I was going through is something I, you know, I kind of let go, you know, mm. battling a little bit of depression because, you know, I knew that when I had that harbored inside and I was taking on that responsibility all by myself without being open and honest about it, I think that definitely held me back, just not in golf. But, it, you know, I think it held me back in life. I don't think I was the, the best person at home. I don't think I was the best person to friends. I don't think I was the best person, obviously, on the golf course. But I think things started to turn for me when I finally, you know, admitted it and seeked help. And, and things started to change. I felt myself sleeping better. I felt myself, I wouldn't say not caring about golf as much, but my desire to play was still honestly, it was still relatively low. And I think in a way that was good for me because it took the pressure off, mm. you know, you know, like I went to first stage and I think I had practiced in the month and a half before first stage. I think I literally practiced five days, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just didn't, I mean, I was just like, Hey, whatever happens, happens. I mean, I even went to first stage at you know, at a point where I was, you know, a buddy of mine was texting me the night after the first practice round. I said, well, I have to, I think it was three o'clock the next day to withdraw. I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, part of me doesn't want to do it. And part of me does. I mm. said, I'll just decide tomorrow before the deadline. And if I withdraw, I withdraw. And, you know, I actually had a decent practice round and that's why I stayed. But I think letting go of all that has finally given me the opportunity that now I have in front of me, which is, you know, something I've worked for for quite a long time, something I honestly thought that I would get sooner. I mean, I, I've always felt like I belonged out there. I always felt like, you know, I can hold my hat against any guy out there at any day, any time, any golf course. So now I get that opportunity. But, yeah, I don't think without, you know, opening up myself and being vulnerable and, and admitting something was wrong, I wouldn't be here today for sure. So, Brian, it, it's fascinating, right? So you open up 
So talking about what you're dealing with, kind of letting go there. And then you're practicing less. It's an interesting combo because listening to you talk in your interviews, I don't think anybody works harder than you, right? I don't think anybody has that. They're out there, but you're up, you're up there, right? And your level of determination, grit, dig it out of the dirt. That's eye-opening, right? For you and think, wait a minute, but it's a combo of mental. You know, when I say I work harder, I've never been a fan of sitting on a range. Like I couldn't do what VJ does. I couldn't do it. I mean, I could not, I could, I, I could not sit there, hit balls for two hours before a round or however long he does it, and then come just back a, after the round. Just get a crate of golf balls. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I could not do it. I mean, I'm, I'm actually, I used to be an hour guy. Like, I need to be on the range an hour before. I'm, now I'm, I'm realizing that's way too much time for me. You know, like, I got there, I think, day three, my brother and I got there, like, an hour and five minutes before, and I'm like, man, I'm here way too early. Way too early. So I'm learning that, if I can hit balls for 20 minutes, maybe 25, I'm good. That's, that's really all I need. I need to hit, you know, so many wedges. I mean, like I can hit two drivers and be like, okay, it's ready. I don't need to hit more drivers. I mean, it's, it's good to go. I mean, sometimes I hit like one four and I'm like, Oh, that's perfect. All right. I'm done with that club. I can't sit there. So I'm learning that the less time I spend on the range is also another less time I'm in my head. And that had been a big issue, like on the course, you know, overthinking shots and thinking too much. And, you know, I made it super simplistic, you know, at Q school with my brother. I mean, I wanted less information so that I could be more focused. I know it seems really weird. A lot Mm -hmm. of people like, I I need a lot of information. I need to know where the front pin is. How to cover that bunker? Where's that ridge and the back pin? I mean, where's that ledge? No, I literally need less information to hit a better shot. That's what What did you need? Brian, what, I, what info need, did you want? I needed what the pin was actual. And depending on where that pin was, if I did need to cover a bunker or if I needed, like if the pin was in the front third, what is it just to cover the front? And what he felt it was playing. So if it could have been mm. 175, a little into the wind, and he could be like, I think it's a 185 shot. That's the number I wanted, 185. Then I grabbed the club. I don't, I don't want to get up there, walk a yardage off, throw up grass, figure out the wind. I've learned that that's, it's just too much. It's overload for me. That That's just how I have to go forward, even with, you know, my new guy next year, that this is how I want to do it. I want you to give me a number of the pin and I want you to give me a number of what it's playing. Those two numbers, that's all I want. If I need other information, like what is it to cover that bunker since we're going at that pin that's in the back left, I'll ask you. Otherwise, those are the two numbers I want. Pin, actual, and that's mm-hmm. it. Let's go. And then I'll grab the club. Now, isn't it interesting? It was actually, it's funny you bring this up because the quote in our newsletter, I talked about how golf is kind of a backwards game. A lot of things in life are kind of counterintuitive, a bit backwards, where this thing, this dream, this goal that you've been grinding over and you'd struggled with for so long. I mean, it's an unforgiving game, right? There's no hiding from golf. Golf will reveal everything, right? Isn't it interesting? I want you to maybe dig in on that and reflect on the year that you almost didn't play. The year that you practiced less, <laughs> the year that you okay. accepted the struggles. Everything's, everything's, everything's less. less. <laughs> yeah. Everything was less. And there was a level of like, there was a less, level of less, detachment. 
Yeah. Less was more this year for me. And maybe that's the recipe. Maybe I've, I've put so much pressure on myself because I've, I believe so deeply in myself that all that pressure, the more time, the overload of time that I use was too much. And when it came time to, to perform, I was already spent, you know, and it's funny because I said that in the years qual- Monday qualifying, because, you know, out there over minus last year with the injury in a COVID year, I mean, I Monday qualified more than anybody, you know, I Monday qualified, I think over the course of over two years, like eight times or something like that, including qualifying for three majors. And then even in that perspective, there were, seven Mondays I missed by a shot. So, I mean, it was just like every Monday I went into, I was like, oh yeah, I'm getting through. If not, it's going to be awfully, awfully close. But going through that whole less is more thing, it was weird having that conversation with my buddy about not wanting to play. And I think, again, that was that whole less thing. It's like, I don't really, I shouldn't say I don't care because I cared because I obviously paid and went there. But it was one of those things where it was like, I think by not being so engaged, I was more focused because mm. I was le- there was less stress. There was less. I went into it instead of feeling like I had to do it. I went into it thinking, let's just go with this and see what happens. And, and I played so much looser. I mean, even at first stage, I mean, like the first day, I mean, I hit it. I was worried. I was like, oh, my God, I don't think this is going to turn out the way I want. I mean, I was kind of steering the ball, wasn't free, you know, didn't play great. I think I shot one over, but it was playing, the golf course was playing really tough. So it was cold, it was windy, conditions were so-so. You know, then the next day I think I shot, I got it to even after two days. And when I got the even after two days, I'm like, yeah, this is doable. And then I played good the third day to really secure my spot. And, uh, you know, just the last day, I just didn't have to throw up on myself. But, you know, it was one of those things where, I think I'm learning with me that less is more. I know there's times that like I will not touch a golf club for three, three weeks and I'll go out to my home course and I'll play and I'll shoot like six under. And I'll be like, how did you just do that? And, you know, play. It was funny because I was playing with Mike Bibby who, you know, played the NBA. Heard of him. And we played, yep. And we played and, and, (laughs) and we, and we were playing nine holes at my home course and I had not played for a month. And I said, dude, I, I said, guys, I can play, I can play nine holes this morning. And I went out and shot 31 and they were like, okay, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I gotta go. I'm like, I gotta go. They're like, dude, you just shot 31. I'm like, yeah, I know. I gotta go. I'm like, it's okay. I gotta go. And I remember the same story about eight years ago. I was playing with a buddy of mine at my home course again. And I shot 30 and I said, I could only play nine holes. And he forced me into playing nine more. I ended up shooting 61. But it was one of those things where, like, it was different because I was like, oh, no, I can, I can break my own course record here. But, I mean, I ended up breaking my course record by one. But it was like the difference was the competitiveness back then was like, oh, yeah, I'm working. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. Yeah. And then this one was like 31. No, I'm out of here. I got to go. I got to pick up my son's score. I forget what it was I had to do. I'm like, but I'm out. It was like zero interest in trying to do shoot 30 or whatever on the back to tie it or break my I was like, nah, I'm out. See you later. Have fun. You know what this makes me think of, Brian? That same author I wrote that quote said on our show, it's like when you try and, you know, if you're working on something or even on the golf course and you're like, I need to focus, I have to just 
focus. I can't focus, but I'm trying. You can't really try to focus harder, but if you eliminate distraction, you automatically focus. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a similar idea. I agree. And I think that's kind of what, when I was talking about the whole pre-shot, when I used to do it, you're so focused on getting your yardage, getting the win, getting the number, pin, what's that bunker, all that. You've spent so much energy before you even get to the golf shot. Your golf swing, as much physical as it is, it is totally a mental thing too. Because if you have a negative thought on your mind when you take the club back, I mean, chances are you're not going to hit a good shot. So when you your mind is so overworked, and then you still have to hit the shot, I think it causes – I think it does cause a problem. And I think simplifying what I did at finals – like I would sit in the cart and I'd be like, everything, one guy would hit, next guy would be like, oh, it's my turn. I'm like, what's the number? Oh, okay, let's go. That's what worked. I mean, yeah. because I didn't think. All I did was, oh, it's one. you're playing 190? Okay, boom, boom, let's go. There wasn't time for my head to start thinking about a bunch of crazy stuff. So I, you know, I really think that that was an enormous help for me. Now that might not work for everybody. Everybody else, I know like there's guys in my group, they're like, oh, what's this? What's this? What's this? I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my God, that would drive me crazy right now if I was given that much information. I mean, because it's just in your mind thinking about it. Remember, it's, you know, it's 113 in the front. You got to cover that bunker, 122 in the pin. You don't want to go to, you don't want to hit a 35 because then it's going to go over the back. Yeah. And I'm like, whatever. It's, a lot of I mean, avoidance. What's the, it's like, what's the number? It's playing yeah. what? 145. Great. Give me the club. Let's go. I know I, I know I can't hit this club 150, and I know I can't hit it 135. So I know it's going to be in that general vicinity. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian, I think I love these conversations. I think a lot of times we want more information because if we are surprised, we think we're not prepared, right? If 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 the ball you know falls off a ledge in the back right of the green and we weren't thinking about that and our subconsciously we were not prepared for that shot. Doesn't mean that's true. But I think your tweak to practice rounds is huge because I played college golf. I'm playing practice rounds. You're always changing what you should be thinking about or what you should not be thinking about. How much should I write down? How many notes should I have? Granted, we don't we don't have caddies, and a lot of our, our listeners don't have caddies like you do. But like that practice round is so important. And and what you're getting at is just I know this golf course. I know where to be, where not to be, and I'm just gonna get a number and trust it. it like you said, a balance is different for everybody helping people understand what to look for and what not to look for. Because like you said, all this energy on every shot, that's why it's so hard for five hours to be thinking about all this. And that's what leads to mistakes or getting yeah. tired, at least for you right down the stretch. Well, I mean, for me, I just, I mean, I, I think I've found something that's, that's going to work. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to use this to start the season and make sure it still is what I think it is. But, you know, like for practice rounds, you mentioned, like I am the worst person to like talk to about a practice round. I absolutely despise practice rounds. <laughs> I mean, I hate it. Yeah, I mean, I, it. Yeah. there's like zero interest in being there. It's, it's more for me, and I'll say it, it has nothing to do with what it is to cover that bunker on the left or this. It's really just to see the, the condition of the golf course. Like yep. that is it. How does, how's the fairway? How's the rough? How's the round? How's it reacting? Yep. That is, that's totally, I could care less, like, I could care less what it is to cover that bunker because if, if you're telling me it's 280 to cover that bunker in the practice round, I'm probably not going to cover it with driver because I don't have any adrenaline. I, I have nothing. I yeah. mean, I'm probably going to hit it right in. In practice rounds, I'm at least a club short, at least a club short on every shot yeah. because I just have zero, a zero adrenaline. And I know this, and that's the good thing about it is I know it for me. Like I know if you're going to tell me it's 165, you know, in the practice round, 
I may get eight there, but I really have to go after it. But in the tournament, yeah, we're going to hit eight. It's going to get there. And I'm not, I'm not worried about it. But mm. I can – practice rounds are like the worst for me. I can't judge shots in practice rounds for me. It's just like useless. Now, Brian, uh, the weird. last thing I'll yeah. say on this. So I thought about this too. You know, for an average player like me, high single digit, you know, we've got member guests and scrambles and two-man best balls. And th those are our Q schools and our tour events, right? And I've reflected on this this year. I was like, that balance between trying to peak and like, I'm going to the range. I'm going to the short game area. I'm getting nine in. I'm playing. I'm leading up to this event. I'm trying to peak. But then I reflected on it. I was like, is that a lack of self-belief too? Like where I feel like I need all of that prep in order to be able to perform when the lights are on. Because to me, I'm curious to hear your thought of like not needing to practice a lot leading up to an event and reducing reps to me is also a reflection of your self-belief that you've got what you need in the tank. You don't need to see it a few days before to feel like, oh, okay, I found something. I've got it. Yeah, I think that's a misnomer. I mean, because I think a lot of people feel like you say practice. I know a lot of teachers, you know, talk about the golf swing is repetition. The more repetition, the better for your swing. Well, what if your swing is trash? What if you're swinging it bad? What if you got something that's really wrong? All you're doing is making that repetitive motion worse. So to me, I mean, I, I find that I like when people, honestly, I think amateurs mainly, practice less. And it sounds weird to say that because you tell them if you're going to get better, you have to practice, but there's a way to practice less and practice more. Like don't go to the range and, and hit balls for two hours. Yeah, fine. You can go to the range every day, but just spend 20 or 30 minutes. You don't have to spend, you know, two hours there. Just take your eight iron, hit your eight iron for the 30 minutes, you know, or take your eight iron and driver and just hit those. There's no, nobody's telling you, you have to go to the range, take your entire bag, Go through your entire bag for two hours. That is not practice. That's hitting balls. That is mm. not practice. Now, practice is going and taking your wedge and hitting your wedge 35 times, 40 times. You're like, man, I grooved it. That, that, look, that feels good. Now, let me hit driver for, you know, 15 or 20 drives, and I'm good. Because the swing is the same, whether it's your, your wedge, whether it's your 8-iron, your 5-iron, or your driver. It's just a little longer. And if you go there and you practice for two hours – and you leave there and you're like, man, I got to come back tomorrow. Then you know what? Your two hours you did there today were just wasted time because it was useless practice, in my opinion. I, I just, like, I haven't picked up a club since Q school. Right. You know, I mean, actually, I stand corrected. I did yesterday in New Mexico because we had time to kill for our flight, so we went to Top Golf. So, you know. I had some fun. Were you grooving but, wedges, but, wedge distances, and distance control at Top Golf? Brian? I was getting, I got beat by my son in the, in uh -oh. the, in the, in the cause he, he made me play lefty and my lefty swing is super trash. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot lie. It is like beyond, it is beyond trash. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick stop. Keep your seatbelts fast and stay seated. And then we'll get you right back on track and back to the show. I got a question for you. Do you want to stay sharp? Do you want to keep getting out of your way? Do you want to keep your mental game at tip top shape? Well, this was a long-awaited ask for many of you, but we're finally doing it. It's called Train of Thought, our new email newsletter, just launched. And if you want to get one nugget, one insight, or thought that we're pondering every week that could keep your game sharp and help your mental game, all you got to do is go to thepartrain.com 
and subscribe to the Train of Thought newsletter today. We're only going to email you once a week, likely going to be Monday morning, start your week off right, never going to spam you. And guess what? You're going to get early access to all of our merchandise drops. We're going to launch it first, email subscribers, and then we'll launch it on social media, et cetera. So go to thepartrain.com, scroll down, you'll see a little spot to put your email in. Just drop that email in and you hop aboard the Train of Thought newsletter. All right, let's get back to the show. Brian, let's go back for a minute. You had a lot of experience on the mini tours. The Gateway Tour, Latin America, Canadian Tour. Talk a little bit about that. They're different tours. Gateway Tour, historically, you got to go out, you got to shoot 22, 23 under to be in the mix. You're battling elements. That's usually more of kind of a grinder's tour. My brother yeah. played up in Canada. Talk about how those experiences prepped you for where you are today. But for our listeners, share what it's like out there. I mean, it's. I had some good experiences playing, you know, Gateway. I mean, I, I thought when Gateway started, it was going to be a, an enormous avenue for a lot of players. And I think in the beginning it was, you know, I've, I've, a lot of players, you know, went through there and made it to the PGA Tour. And so it, it, it provided that that avenue for a lot of guys that come out of college and didn't make get their card to be able to, you know, have a place to play for decent purses too. I mean, they were really good in the very beginning. You know, I could only imagine if they had done that tour better as it went on, how good it could be right now. I mean, because of how money has changed golf. But that tour, Canadian, South America, you know, PGA Tour Latin America, they are all just unbelievable tools for kids that are coming out of college to prep them for the next level, you know, and then what they're going to find out is, I mean, cause there is an enormous change from when you play collegiate golf to when you're, you're playing for a paycheck. I don't care how good you are when you have to start paying for, totally. you know, playing for a paycheck, it changes real quick and it gets real. So you could be an all American, but then all of a sudden when it comes time to make, you know, you have to make money. It, it, it changes really fast. There's a lot of players I've played with on all those tours that were better players than me. They were. And I have no issue admitting it. But the difference between them and me, I mean, I, I don't quit. Right? I mean, and I'm not saying they're quitters. Right. But, you know, I just, I just don't quit. And I'm going to go. And, you know, I always, you know, it's funny. I listen to people say things that I'm like, you know, people are going to add, tell me, tell me, tell me, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And then one day he's going to come in there and be like, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> and, and I love that. That just drives me. It's like, you know, and I, I remember making that same quote like four years ago. I said it in a picture. I said, people are going to say you can't do it. Then all of a sudden they're going to ask you one day, how did you do that? And, I, and now we're here. It flips on its head, right? Yep. Brian, talk about what not quitting means. Because people hear that and it's, you know, a popular quote. People say it all the time. But I don't think in golf, a lot of people realize, a lot of people have talked about how they don't understand how Tiger did what he did, not with his accolades, but more so with his ability to totally give every shot, everything as if it's the last shot on the 18th. Well, you know, and I remember what we were talking about earlier and I forgot where you were talking about working harder. Like my working harder is different than most people's like most people's working harder is the practice and spending hours on the range and doing mine is spent 
everywhere else. It's spent hiking. It's spent in the gym. It's spent in hot yoga. It's spent riding my bike. You know, so, and I think when you talk about earlier, mentioned about, I can't believe you're 55. That's why I feel like I'm 55, but I'm not. I'm like 40. That's how I feel. I mean, and there's no disrespect to any player in the champion store when I say this, but there's not one guy out there, not one, that can play every sport the way I can play. And I don't mean that as a toot and a horn, but I mean it as that's just how I was raised. I mean, I was raised to be an athlete, not be a golfer. You know, it's funny. We talked about that. I was just, there was a tier one showcase here, hockey. And I was sitting, I was talking to my college line mate, who's the commissioner for the tier one deal. And we were talking about how scouts now look at players in the NHL and they don't look at them in respect to, how good are they as a, a hockey player? They look at them as how good are they as, a, as an athlete, these young mm-hmm. kids, because athletes you can work with. Hockey players or a solo baseball player or a solo football player playing another sport, it's hard to work with. And now they're starting to look at these kids, not so much on the ice, but in their off-ice workouts. What are they doing when they have to do right. agility drills? And they look at a kid and they're like, nope, can't work with him. You know why? Because that kid has two left feet. But on the ice, he's good. But when it but there comes a certain age when all kids are good. It's right. now the athletes are better, and it and it rings true. But to answer your question about Tiger, I mean, it's no quit is just you know I don't know. I mean, you know I don't I don't know how Tiger did it. I mean, what he what he's what he's done is, <laughs> I mean, there's no. I mean, people always try to talk about what Tiger's done. You can't talk about what Tiger's done. That dude is he's a freak. What do you think of this? And I'm picking up on your question of. The thing about Tiger, he, he's the best at being the most present and the most committed to each golf shot, right? He quits the less on each golf shot. And Brian, getting back to what you were saying, it's just so hard to be present and committed to golf shots for five, six hours for the most money in the impression. You know, what do you think about that? You're right. And I think, and this goes back to what we were talking about with how I need less information is more for me. And I think that, yep. like, and I will say it, this this past week or, you know, finals of week is the best golf for four days I've ever played in my life. <laughs> best four days of my life. I yeah. made four bogeys. <laughs> I made the least amount of, I made the least amount of bogeys in the field, four. Well, and you said you're sleeping better. You're... I slept better, but it's yeah. just that whole, I think, is less is more. You know, yep. I think it gave me less information so I could focus more on my shot. And it's a weird thing mm. but i didn't need all this other information i just what is it playing i don't care where the wind is coming from what is it playing because what it's playing it already has factored into the wind whether it's downwind crosswind into the wind all yeah. that it's already factored in so now i'm not thinking about the wind because i'm like okay yeah the wind's into me i feel it but i know we figured out it's playing 185 and the less is more and i think that that's where you yeah. look at a thing like tiger you know his focus was just like like this, and I felt like last week. That's where I was, and 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 it's right. and I had and I had said I had talked. I remember talking to a couple guys last like two years ago. I was I remember I was at Ally, and I was talking to David Frost. I think it was, and I'm like, the issue I'm having right now is actually it wasn't it was Joey Sindela, and I said oh. the issue I'm having is I'm spending all this energy to get through the Monday, and I'm like this. I, and then I get in the tournament, and this goes like this. Mm. And that's why my results changed because, you know, you spend all that energy getting in. Then when you get into a tournament, it's like, oh, I can breathe. 
but no, you can't breathe. You got to go back into this. And I struggled going from this to this. And it's funny because I was singular in my Mondays. I did all my Mondays by myself, no caddy, no yeah. nothing. And so I it was me. So I was focused. I was like this. Then we get out there. And again, now you got the caddy. Okay, it's this to this. You got to hit it here. You don't want to go over there. You go there. And so slowly and gradually you get these and it starts doing like this and like this and like this. And then before long, it's like this. Yeah, your focus and now widens. you're gone. You're, two, you're gone. two different players in the same week. You're and gone. One thing, you're gone. One thing I want to harp on this for the listeners and base, for people not on video, what Brian is doing is he's got his hands right next to his eyes, really narrow focus, got the blinders on. Once vision. he get, wins a Monday qualifier, goes in the tournament, it widens. What I think is really great about this, Brian, and Serm talks about this a lot, is a lot of amateur golfers and pros too, I'm sure, aspiring pros, and I'm sure regular pros, everyday pros, we harp on mistakes that we made, but you don't take it a next layer to understand why the results changed. And I think what Brian just did for us is you reflected on why results changed. What am I doing on Monday qualifiers that I'm not doing in tournaments when I get in? And you just identified something that is now a key for you and you've gotten your tour card. So I know it's yeah. not necessarily that simple, that linear, but you probably couldn't have gotten your tour card unless you realized what you were doing on Monday qualifiers. Am I wrong? No, I agree. I mean, honestly, to me at this point, it is totally a, a less is more kind of thing. You know, and it's funny. I go back to having that, that same week I had the conversation with Joey. I don't know if you guys ever met him, but Joey Sindelar is yeah. like the, the class act of class acts. The guy I actually haven't greatest. met him. He was he's the, dad plays he's the greatest. Him in pro-amps. Yeah, he was yeah he's, a, he's, he's a great. But I was standing on the range and I had qualified for Seattle, flew the night before, and this goes into this practice thing. I wish I, I wish I would have known it sooner. I flew to see, I played Seattle, didn't play great. You know, I had Monday qualified there. I was low. Fly to Michigan. I get to Michigan. My tee time's 730. In my head, I'm thinking I got to be there at 7.30. I end up showing up like 20 minutes before my tee time. I hit like 10 balls and went to the range and then shot 65. So again, less is more for me. I, all I did was loosen up for a little bit to hit these balls, and then all of a sudden I go out and I play great. But that week, we're on the range, and VJ is down at the end. And I had played with VJ earlier that year in Des Moines in the, in the principal. And VJ yells from down at the end of the range, not yelling, yelling, but close enough. And he's like, hey, Coop. I'm like, what's up, VJ? He says, you know, it's easier to win out here than it is the Monday qualifies often as you do. And, and what do you say to that? Right? <laughs> well, it, 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 again, it's <laughs> right. simply Probably go back. Where's, gave you where's confidence, all my, honestly. Where, where's all it. my energy? Where's all my energy? Right. It's, in that Monday, it's in that Monday qualifier. And then all of a sudden you get into a tournament when it should be like this and you can play better. And the whole thing well, Brian, spreads out. Brian, thank you. That's coming from too. VJ spent years and years and years on the mini tours trying to make yeah. it. You know, yeah. and something let go there for him to be one of the greatest yeah. ever. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So talk us through the week, Brian. You already kind of alluded to it. You weren't even sure if you were going to play. You had a good practice round. You were starting to play. Talk a us decent through practice round. <laughs> it, was still, it was still a little shaky I, you know, I, I don't know where that confidence level was but it was a little shaky after the last practice round even the first day at first day so talk was, us through the days 
and the mental you know, keys that, you, that kept you going? I'll say this. I mean, even when the list came out for first stage and you looked at it and you know, first stage, they're going to take 17 guys, 16, you know, I saw 25 names on there. They could get through. I mean, you know, I saw guys that I played gateway with now. I'm like, Oh my God, he's 50. Oh, interesting. You know, it's, and that's, you know, how you look at it. Like, you know, I look at a guy like Brian Smock and I'm like, and I know Brian Smock, he's a good player. Played with him a gateway a ton, but I still know he's a good player. And you see, you see his name up there. I'm like, oh, Smocky's 2050 now. Okay, crazy. Okay, but you look at that list, and you're like, man, there's 25 guys here that are good players that can easily have just play average and get through this week. No issues whatsoever. So you know, obviously, when you're not playing and you're already kind of in that mode where you don't know if you want to play or is this is this really going to be how it ends, you're like, man, it could end here because there's a lot of good players here. For me, it didn't. Obviously, I got through. But then you see the list for finals, and you're like, holy, you know, you've got to play some good golf just to get top 30 and get associate status. Sure. I mean, there are 50 guys on that list at finals that can easily finish top 30. And you're like, you know, is there self-doubt? I don't think there's self-doubt, but it's just like, you know, normally you go to finals and, you, you know, at least for me, the years I've gone to finals, I've always felt like I was one of the top 15. I always, you know, I always felt like, you know, only one's keeping me from doing anything is, is me. I mean, I don't, I don't, even if they play good, I'm still going to play better in my opinion. But then you go into this one and you're like, Oh my God. I mean, you got Eve Michael Singh. I mean, you got, you know, Sean McKeel. You're looking at this. You're like, what are you even doing here at finals? How do you not have some status that you don't have to be here? And then you got to play against the you know, major winners, guys that won in Europe, Asia, PJ Tour. I mean, there's a lot of wins there at finals. And, you know, to come out of there and be one of the five across the world to do it is just like, it's crazy. But it's, you know, I, I still struggle to put it into words. I mean, I don't, as much as I know I've had time for let it digest, it's still, you know, I do an interview like this and I'm like, Nah, it still hasn't digested yet. It's still, <laughs> I mean, it's st- it's still pretty it's still pretty cool. I mean, you know, I you get phone calls and you get emails about, hey, you got to do these credentials for yourself, your family, and all this, and you're like, oh shit, this shit, it's getting real. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty cool. But I mean, you go into that week, you don't know. And I've always, you know, I've, I felt like going into the week, you know, you, you couldn't win on day one. You definitely could screw yourself dramatically on day one. You know, I played decent. I shot two under, and you know, I felt like it was okay. I mean, I was obviously way outside. I was wouldn't say way outside, and I was, I think, two or three. Then shot four the next day, and it kind of got me a little closer. I got the two and four again, and got the two, and then I was like, God, what do I got to do? I mean, shooting four under every day, and I'm not gaining any ground. You know, I got a call from a buddy that night, and I just I said, I think if I can get the fourteen, I think that'll get it done. I said, I think the field's going to kind of level off. And maybe even one or two guys might not do anything. I said, if I can get it to 14, I said, I think I think that's going to be it. I said, I, th- I think that can do it. And I had chances. I mean, uh, 15, I, I burned the edge. 17, I burned the edge. And it was weird. On 17, when I missed the putt on the par five from like eight feet, it was a tricky putt. It was downhill left to right. But I was walking off, and, and I, I literally, when I missed that putt, I'm like, I just blew it. I just, that was it. I needed that one. Mm-hmm. I needed that one. And I was walking off, and the guy that was following one of the guys in my group, 
and I wasn't looking at him for anything, but I, you know, he, I looked at him and he kind of gave me this, this thing. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that means, but he probably shouldn't have told me that before 18 T shot. And then, you know, and I just knew the only thing I, there's two things I could not do on 18, hit it left in the water or hit it in that bunker. And when it came up short of the bunker, I was like, okay, we got a chance. I knew where the pin was going to be. I knew where the pin was going to be all week. It was back left. We had a 205 into the win. My brother thought it was a 205 shot into the win or 205 shot. That was the number. And I hit five iron and I can't lie, tugged it a hair. And it literally was three inches away from going in the water. I mean, it hung. It was, it was inside the hazard. It was inside the hazard line. You got to get a good break somewhere around. Yeah. But I mean, I felt like I needed to make birdie. So I was going at it. It's not a pin you want to go at, but I was like, I got to give myself a chance because I think I, I think I still need to get the 14. And then I kind of knew I, right after I hit the shot, I was I was aware that it, that I was in third and a par basically secured the spot and went up and lo and behold, I mean that the ball I could not put that ball down there myself in any kind of better position and it was puttable and I was only like eight, 15, 18 feet from the pin and you know obviously I rolled it up to like eight inches and. You know, and at that point, honestly, you know, I'm somewhat getting emotional just reflecting back. But at that point, you're just there and you're alone in your thoughts and you're like, holy shit, I just did this. I just actually did this. I mean, it's it's a pretty cool moment. It's really cool for us and for our listeners to go back and be there with you and what you were thinking, because it's a qualifier, right? Yeah, you'd like to win it, but you got to be just top, top five. And, but you had that mindset of, well, I kind of think I need to make something happen here. Right. And, but that probably freed you up because, you know, that 18 total, you got water left, you got bunker right. Tee shot was an enormous delay, which was the first problem. Not the group in front of us, but the group in front of them, somebody hit it in the water. So they had to drop it like 90 yards or whatever. So that group's on the green, that guy's dropping and hitting. Our, the group in front of us is in the fairway and we're just sitting there. I'm like, oh my God, could could you do this weight on any other hole? Easy to get tight. Your mind's racing. Yeah, and then, and then, <laughs> then, the group, then the group behind us, they're up, they pull up, they're up on the tee and I'm <laughs> like, oh my God, Jesus. You know, could it like get any worse? And I just knew I wasn't going to go left. I knew I wasn't going to hit it left. I just did not, that bunker is like right in the wheelhouse. But you want to peel it off that bunker because that's just where you want to hit it. That's the best spot. And I hit it and it was right at the right corner, left corner of the bunker. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be perfect. But the wind was coming out of the left. It started pushing it. I'm like, just do not go in the bunker. When I saw it hit ground, I knew it wasn't going to roll into the bunker because the fairways weren't fast. But then I knew I had a long shot. I knew where that ball was. I knew I had probably anywhere from, you know, 195 to probably 210. I knew that going up there. But again, because I missed to put on 18, I felt like I had to make birdie. I felt like I had to put on 17? somewhat close. It's 17, I meant, yeah. 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 I felt like I had to get it close. I mean, had I made that put on thing, I would have hit the same shot, but I would have aimed at the far right edge of the green. I mean, I wouldn't have even went at that pin, but I felt like I needed to make birdie. And yeah. um, that's kind of why I went out. For, for, for nothing nearly as important, but a, a similar situation in high school, it's playing in a tournament, and I was – tied or I thought I was tied and I missed a short put on 17 bad punt. I get to 18. I'm like, I just have to make birdie. I just have to do it. And I freewheel the driver 
ripped a short iron in there and knocked it in. And it was like, I was two different people on 17 to 18. I'm not saying you were tentative on 17. No, no, no. When you, when you have this plan, whether it's true or not, this is what I got to do. Well, it's crazy too. And you just because, make these swings, yeah. Because I felt like missing that putt cost me on on 17, I felt yeah. like I had nothing to lose on 18. That's because I felt like I'd already, I had already lost it on 17 by not mm. making that putt. So I, I felt like I had nothing to lose on 18 by going at this pin. And honestly, right. it might have been the best five iron, five iron I hit all week. It might have been the yeah, best five iron. Because my brother was like, well, do you want to take a little off with a four iron? And I'm like, no, I, I'm just, I'm going to hit this. I'm just, in my exact words were, no, I'm going to hit this son of a bitch hard. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here from a new sponsor, and then we'll get you right back to the show. So we worked with these guys over a year ago. I'm bringing them back for you guys because they're my favorite way to stay hydrated. Now, a lot of people here, yeah, stay hydrated, stay hydrated. I think the key is why do you want to be hydrated? There's a ton of health benefits, but a lot of you might drink alcohol, and when you wake up and you hadn't been hydrating, you're going to feel hungover. And when you feel hungover on the golf course or not, it's just, I'm 35 years old now, okay? The last thing I want to feel is feeling hungover. So I actually reached out to these guys for you. They didn't reach out to us at first, okay? I scoured the internet trying to find a clean hydration multiplier and I just couldn't find it. I, I looked at like 10 options and all the ingredients were bad. You couldn't pronounce pretty much anything on the label and it was super sugary and just didn't taste good. So I finally found Cure Hydration Packets, okay? My favorite flavor is lemon. It's not sugary, there's no sugar, and it's super subtle, but it still tastes good. So I found Cure Hydration. I drink one in the morning, every morning, and on my bachelor party, and again, I don't drink that often, but on my bachelor party, I had one in the morning and one before bed, and I woke up feeling great every morning. So go to curehydration.com, enter the code TRAIN, get yourself 20% off, and... Get yourself some easy hydration. It's a simple pack. Put it in your water bottle. You're going to get so much better ingredients and taste than all the other options that have terrible ingredients and are too sugary. So curehydration.com, enter the code TRAIN, 20% off, stay hydrated, and now let's get back to the show. This is what our show's about, right? Group pulling up behind you. Group taking a long time in the fairway to achieve your dream. All those thoughts that were coming in your head is normal because it's important to you. So your brain is going to do that. The question is, what do you come back to before you hit your shot? That's what everybody just, needs to learn. Just my pre-shot routine, my, my three little semi-practice swings and, you know, picking out my target, setting up. And when I know I'm set, just go. You just rip it. And, you know, and I knew I had to hit it fairly hard because it was you know it was cold too so i you know even though he said it was playing 205 it was it might have been 210 tops no more but it was no less than 205 that's for sure and i knew i had to hit it hard i knew if i hit that five iron not square it was going to be in the front third of the green with a putt that goes semi uphill then catches a slope and breaks hard left so i knew i had to get it in that back third i pulled off the shot you know what's funny sir is so, Brian, to give you context, we've interviewed Chris Nagel, who's a Monday qualifying legend as well. Qualified, did like, what, four or five this year on the yeah. PJ Tour? Um, and then Matt Picanso is another mini tour legend that we've had on the show. And I feel like the theme between all of you is, I think, a lesson that all of us 
can learn is regardless of your guys's previous results, I think believing is seeing for you guys. Brian, it could have been easy for you to look at the amount of years you didn't get your card. And I know you've talked about this openly, like doubted yourself. Do I belong here? Maybe I should do something else. But every time you come back, you still believe that you belong. You still believe that you can win. And, and you so, go back to what works. You're and you go back routine. to your routine to execute in the moment instead of thinking about what it means. You're thinking about what you're trying to do. So I know some people might be listening and be like, well, that's easy for this guy to say. He shoots 61s with, you know, with rolling up to the course. So it's easy for him to have belief. But I actually think that doubt is not helping our game, especially if we're a 10 plus handicap. So I guess I know we're almost at time here, probably five minutes left here, but talk about that a little bit. How can the average player believe in themselves when they're not necessarily seeing the signs of it in front of them? By keeping it in perspective, you know, honestly, I mean, you know, I think the problem with, in my opinion, with a lot of amateur golfers is they have unreal expectations. You know, they just do. I mean, you know, they think they buy the, you know, $500 Callaway driver and they go out and they think they're going to hit a 315 and they're going to become this great ball, you know, driver of the golf ball and everything's going to be easier. And it's not, I mean, the average golfer has a job, a regular job. He or she is at the office a lot. So your time is limited. Your time is limited to get better. And quite frankly, depending on where you live, you may not play all winter. So, you know, for you to then all of a sudden break out the clubs in May and think you're going to go out and have this unbelievable year, I mean, your expectations are a little, you know, unrealistic. And, and I don't say that in a bad way. I say it in a way that get a, a reality, for, for lack of a better word, that works for you. Understand, if you're going to be an 80s golfer, be the best 80s golfer you can be. If you're going to be, if you're a single digit handicapper, then just be the best single digit handicapper you can, you can be. Don't try to be more than that. The more you try to be more than you are capable of, and that's the problem, the more your capabilities get in the way, the worse golfer you're going to be. So just keep it mm-hmm. in perspective. I mean, honestly, just understand who you are, what you are, and just relish that. I mean, that's it. Right. Kind of I mean, goes back to our original quote. Right. What you're holding on to perpetuates that reality versus once you let go of becoming scratch, you might have a better chance to do it. There's so there's so many guys that you play with and, you know, they they talk, oh, man, I'm hitting driver. Good. I'm doing this. And, you know, I I, I know I can be the single digit handicapper and you want to look at him and you want to grab him and you want to shake him and say, no, you can't. You can't. But you know what you can do? You could shoot 78 every day. And that's nothing to shake your head at. That is nothing to be embarrassed about. For somebody that works full time and has a wife and kids and, you know, you travel a lot, shooting 78 every day, let me tell you something. There's some professionals that struggle when they shoot 78. So understand that is pretty damn good. So just Mm -hmm. own that, relish it and have fun with that versus trying to feel like you could take that 78 to 68 because you can't. That's 10 shots. You know how hard it is to save 10 shots? It's impossible almost for for the average person. For sure. And Brian, last time I say Brian on that, it's sometimes it's just better to work on your double down on your strengths as opposing to focusing so hard on your weaknesses when you, like you said, you have limited time to practice. So when you do have time to practice, you know, and you're a real good driver of the golf ball, just keep working on that, you know, and it's just, just perspective, like you said, right? 
people say, well, what can I do to get better? And I say, if you're limited, I said, you know what you got to do? Take your eight iron through lob wedge and putter, and that's it. Because I don't care if you hit the driver 30 yards in the woods. I don't care if you hit your five iron 170. The problem is that whenever you hit that driver in the woods, you pitch back out in the fairway, you're going to have 100 yards. If you're a good wedge player, I like your chances of getting it up and down or at least getting it up and two-putting and you only make your bogey. Versus you trying some crazy punch, hook, five iron, eye of the trees where it hits another tree. And now you're 40 more yards into the trees. And by the time you get out, you just made nine. You could have made an easy bogey. Yeah. And now you made nine. Now you shot 88 when you would have shot 84 just by being not trying to be Houdini. Yeah, not trying to be Houdini. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Tony Finau said this year after a win, a winner is just a loser that kept on trying, you know? And you kept on trying. What was the quote you said, your favorite quote? Oh, you mean, yeah. People people are going to ask you how you did it. they're going to say, you know, you can't do it. You can't do it. You know, and I don't have the pedigree to do it. And I understand why people said that. It's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And then one day they're going to say, how the hell did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, Brian, this was great at Brian Cooper golf on Instagram at coops golf on Twitter. I'm going to give you the floor. We do this for every guest, anything that we've already talked about that you want to reiterate for the average player, even the aspiring pro, or is there something that we didn't get to? Because I felt like we could have talked for three more hours at least. I, that you want to say so too. for the amateur golfer, seriously, keep playing, but keep it in perspective. Don't try to do more than you're capable of. And you all know who you are, and you know when you tell that story that you shot seventy eight and it could have been sixty eight. That you know you're telling yourself a lie. So just seriously, keep it in perspective. You'll enjoy the game a lot more. That's I love great. it. Well, last thing okay. I'll say, Brian, that I just realized I didn't have a chance to say is. Also, what Brian just said about knowing who you are, let's reflect. Brian's an athlete, right? Played college baseball and hockey. You just said in the interview, you hang your hat on being an athlete, not a golfer. And I bet you that the whole less is more thing of see the shot, hit the shot, get the information, step in, is back to those athletic roots and letting your body take over and do what it's always done. And I think that's a great learning for everybody is figure out who you are and then set up a process that brings that out. So just commit, just commit to it. Yeah. yeah. Brian, yeah. I think it's going to help a lot of people. So we're going to be rooting I you on. So. We love your story. I appreciate it. Have a great year. All right, man. I appreciate you guys. Take care. Hey guys, this is Evan. Real quick before you hop off the train, I got something for you. It's called the train of thought. It's our new email newsletter. Would you like to get one nugget insight or thought that we're pondering every week that could help keep you sharp and help your mental game? Go to thepartrain.com and subscribe to the Train of Thought newsletter today. It's really the best way to enjoy the ride. See you guys.